0: Good afternoon and welcome, and thank you for being here. Thank you online for being here. We have uh, many people here in South Florida. We're here in Boca Raton, but we've also opened a thing called City Lead so that it goes in other cities so there are people throughout the country watching this online right now, so we welcome you in the various states that you're at. We hope you enjoy it as well. We have about 100 people in this room right now, and we're going to enjoy it together. So who's here for the first time in this room at boca Lead? Raise your hand. Welcome. Let's welcome. We are glad you are all here. And as Johnny said, we're here to uh, just create some inspiration around business, learn some things, but also to promote our community. I'm a big fan of my community, which we are in here, and I know you who are around the country are big fans of your community, and I believe we as business leaders should be the people that are at the forefront of congratulating and helping. We've got city council members here. We have other uh, people in government here, and we're here to encourage people to make this a better place to work, to play, to raise a family, and to worship. And that's what we're here about. So today we're going to do that. It's uh, the last of the year. And so I want to talk about some things that get us looking towards 2021, if we could do that today. Because there's a lot of people that are putting their hands behind their back, or if I were sitting down, are sitting on their hands and going, I'm just going to wait this thing out. I'm going to wait it out. And people have been saying that now for 10 months I'm just going to wait it out. I don't know what wait it out means Do you. I don't think we have the ability to wait it out anymore. I think we as business people have to look at 2021 and go, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we need to start preparing for it. So today, we're going to look at that. How can we look out at 2021 and begin to think, and we're talking business, so this is your business, your nonprofit, your volunteer work, whatever you do, your home business, whatever it is, we're going to look at it. So I want to begin. Well, let me tell you, we're doing that here at our own church. We have decided we need to add some things here, and I'll tell you about them in just a minute, uh, because it's not the same as it was last year. So let me open up. With an illustration. Elizabeth, my wife, who's here each week and you get to meet her uh, many times, she and I and our daughter moved a couple of weeks ago. Now, okay, we live in Bokertone. I grew up in Bokertone. I'm a big fan of Bokertone, but we moved just a mile away. Actually, almost on the same street, a mile up, instead of Fifth Avenue, Fourth Avenue. It's just hilarious. We didn't go very far. In fact, we're closer to where we are now than we were a mile away. So. We moved, and when you move and you buy furniture, and I've talked about furniture a lot, there's two ways to buy furniture. One way is you go to a furniture store, as we all know, and you go, I like that chair, I like that desk, I like that couch, and then you buy it, and then a couple of days later, a couple weeks later, it's delivered to your home, right? That's the way it's always been. Well, there's a new way to buy furniture nowadays. You go to a big store called Ikea, right? And you go and you see this same thing. And in this case, for us, it was a bookshelf to put things for our grandchildren in. They have these cubby little containers so you can put all the toys organized. It's basically a bookshelf. So we see this bookshelf. We go, that's what we want. We want that bookshelf. And so, but you can't buy that bookshelf. They won't deliver it. I guess they would deliver it if you wanted to. But you go downstairs to the warehouse, right? Have you ever been there? That's like fun just to walk through it. So you take a picture on your phone of the receipt, take it, go downstairs, and on that receipt it says aisle 20, bin 10. Aisle 20, bin 10. So you take one of those big strollers, you go to aisle 20, you go one, two, three, four to 10, there's 10. There's these huge boxes. You get it down, you put it in, and you realize you have a flat pack piece of furniture. So this furniture that looks big and just full is this thick, this long, and weighs a ton, right? And you put it in the back of your hatchback. You get it in, barely. You get it in. You get it home. And what happens? So we get it home, and here's what happens. There's a picture of what it looked like in the store on the front. So you open the cardboard, and you put the picture here, and here's the wall in which this picture is supposed to go, right? There's the picture, there's the wall, and what happens? You open up the box, there's a bag of these things that they call nuts and bolts, but they don't look like the nuts and bolts I used to use in middle school shop class. They're all different. They're rounded, they're dowels, and they all just kind of fly out. So you're holding up what look to be the two pieces that kind of hold the whole thing up, and you realize something. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Have you ever done, is this, am I the only one here? No, raise your hand. Have you had this? Okay. So what happens is you have this picture, you have the wall, picture, wall, and everything is there that needs to get that picture on that wall, and you have no clue how to do it because everything is spread out, all those little Cardboard intersector things and press board stuff, and it's not as nice as it looked there, and you, all these things. And then you go, What do I need? And then you read the instructions, and the instructions tell you you need an Allen wrench. An Allen wrench. This is the exact size you need for an IKEA thing, but I'm going to uh, give you a big one so we can actually see it. An Allen wrench. You don't use a regular wrench. You don't use a regular screwdriver or a Phillips head screwdriver. You use the Allen wrench. And when you use the Allen wrench, all of a sudden, you can begin to put this puppy together. Now, we bought two of them. Can you imagine how idiot we are? We bought two of these things. It took me hours to put this thing together. But, you know, I'm not as idiot as you think. I called my friend Slava up, and I said, would you put the other one together? Ten minutes he had it together. Ten minutes would took because he knew how to use the Allen wrench. And he knew the importance of how the Allen wrench is used in flat pack furniture. You don't use the regular kind of wrenches that you use in putting together the old-fashioned type of wall units and amours that we all used to have. And today I want to talk about Allen wrenches. What is the Allen wrench in your business? And I believe the Allen wrench or Allen wrenches, we're going to look at several of them, are your values. Your values. The values you have in your business that put together where you think you should go and how you're going to get there. And you have, because you may have all the employees, all the plans, everything, it's just kind of strewned out there. And what are the values? And I want to tell you some of these values need to change this year Because we are in a very difficult year. So I'm going to give you one that our church changed. We added a value to our church which starts this Sunday, actually. I'm starting it right now to look at 2021. And you can write this word down. This value, it's an odd name for a value. But it's the word renew. Renew. Renew means to resume after an interruption. We have been interrupted in 2020. Our lives have been interrupted. Our businesses have been interrupted. Our nonprofits have been interrupted. Everything's been interrupted, right? Where your kids go to school. Where all this has been totally interrupted. All our lives are. And I said, we've got to do some renewing here. We got to move a new value to our. Church and our school is renew. Why? I and real simple, and I'll move on. Is we need to renew our relationship to God, our relationship to our church, and then our relationship to the city. We've all kind of retracted, and I've been asking people, "How is the giving of your nonprofit and the giving to your nonprofit?" Oh, we're way down. We're twenty percent down. We're ten percent. We're thirty percent down. Many of us have retracted our involvement in the city. Obviously, we can't do a lot of things physically, but you can still do a lot of things. This city needs help. Your city, wherever you're at, needs help. Don't retract. Renew your commitment to the city. Renew your commitment to your community. And I would say, I'm a pastor, renew your commitment to God as well. But let's look at a couple of values that need to be in there. And I'm going to use a book to give us some framework. It's uh, Nordstrom. Anybody shop at Nordstrom? I got a lady from Sachs here. I should have taken Sachs book. But Nordstrom actually prints out their values. It's called the Nordstrom Way. Nordstrom is a new uh, store in South Florida. They're out of Seattle. Mr. Nordstrom started it in I think 1906 or 1907. He discovered gold in Alaska, came back to Seattle and started a shoe store That's how Nordstrom's was started. So I just was reading this and reading some of their values. I thought, these are good good values. And so I'm going to share a couple values today, and we're going to look at them. And you need to decide, what are your values in your business? What helps you get from where you see the picture you should be, your vision, and how to get it happening, knowing that this year, everything has just been thrown all over, It is not the way it used to be. So, I'd like to give you about six of them, if I could do that quickly. Number one trust. Trust is the key value that you should have in your business. And when I mean trust, it's the firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability, the strength of someone or something. So, in this case, put your team name, put your business name. Put your customer's name, put your vendor's name, the people you connect with. You can put their trust is so important. If you don't have trust, then it's just going to stay kind of out there, all these nuts and bolts. Trust is a glue that brings things together. And what is it, the result of trust? This is a beautiful thing. The result of trust is empowerment. Now, what we think influence and empowerment is this. Go to the next slide. We think the currency of influence is money. It is not. It is trust. It's not money. Money is important. You need investors. You need customers, all the rest. But it is trust. I've shared this story several times here, so I'll only do it quickly. The biggest gift our church has ever gotten was, um, you know, we're we're a volunteer organization, so everything we get is through gifts and through donations of our members and friends, like all the other nonprofits in this room. And a guy who had come to our church a few times said, I want to see you. Very elderly man. He said, I want to make a donation to your church. I said, great. So I'm thinking, you know, a few dollars. I love it. Thank you. It's the largest gift we've ever received in 11 years that I've been here. It was unbelievable. It was a piece of land, and uh, we sold it. So I wanted to know why he did it. Why did he do it? But I didn't ask him. You know, when somebody gives you something, you don't go, why are you doing this? You receive the gift, get it cleared, and then you ask why. I mean, that, okay, so if, if you're a fundraiser, you know this. I mean, but the rest of you go, oh, why not just ask him? No, don't ask, Just because then they'll go down the street. So he gave it. We sold the property, everything happened, cash in the bank. It was like 09, the recession, it, we needed it. It was just at the right time. So I bring him back in a month later. He's 90 years old. I said, sir, we've struck up a friendship. I go, why did you do this? Why did you do this? Because you don't go to our church. you know. I mean, you're here two, three Sundays a year. I mean, you, you know, I get somebody who goes here, but he goes because I heard you're a good guy. I heard you're a good guy. I said, who told you I was a good guy? (laughs) And he said, my son. I said, what's your son's name? He said, Bruce. So I put Bruce and his last name to it, and I said, I don't know your son. He goes, oh, I mean my son-in-law. And I said, what's your son-in-law's last name? And he gave me the name, and that was my boss, when I was in college, when I was 19 years old, schlepping boxes in the warehouse of our school. I helped put myself through school by moving boxes. It was a huge urban college, and they had a lot of inventory. They moved around, you know, books, and they had a bookstore back then and all that, and so someone's got to move boxes, and they hired people like me who are big, and I moved boxes, and he was my boss, you know, 10 years older at the time, and my boss. And he said he was trustworthy. I was 19 years old. I'm now 50 at this point in time that he gives the gift. What's that? 31 years later, he goes, he's a good guy. What's the point? Of that? Nothing to do with me. It just has to do with trust. Trust comes in incredible ways. And I would say you need to be trustworthy in the very small things. I was making $3.90 or something, right? Right? I mean, I'm just slept in boxes. My father gave me a good work ethic, so I guess I did it well. And he said, if you're trustworthy in the small things, you'll be trustworthy in the big things. And do you see the difference there? You see, the influence is about trust. The money will follow the trust and not trust following the money. And I think it's important. Number two, respect. Respect. There needs to be a value of respect. There's there's, this terrible um, incivility in our society now that's gone everywhere. If you don't agree with me, I'm not going to be civil to you, and you're not civil to me. And there needs to be a sense of respect. And in our businesses, there really needs to be. It's the feeling of admiration for people's abilities, qualities, or achievements. It doesn't necessarily mean that you agree with everything they say but that you have an incredible amount of respect. You respect your colleagues, that's bosses, team members, people that work for you. You respect your customers. You respect your vendors. How many times do we hear people talking bad about your vendors? They have talked bad about the boss. They talk bad about the employees. They talk bad. There needs to be a sense of respect here because I believe if you want to be trustworthy, there has to be a level of respect. I don't care, all of us run something, and you may only run the broom closet, but you're running something, and we need to respect, I have a very um, low view of, or low view of the hierarchy of uh, leadership, I kind of believe it's this way, I believe all of us are leaders, I just happen to be the one who has a microphone on. I'm not a better leader than somebody else. I'm just louder than other people, and so I'm up front. We have the mayor here. He's the leader of the city. Is he better than you? No. It's just he's been given the task to run the city, and that's his giftedness. He's doing a great job at it, I think, and, um, but it's not that he's better than you are because his name is on all the plaques nowadays. No. It's just that we all have to have respect for one another. And what does respect lead to? The result of respect is appreciation. And that's the other thing that's been lost. We, we're in civil in this society, and we don't show appreciation. And Here we are between Thanksgiving and the end of the year, and if you can't be appreciative in these six weeks, when can you ever be appreciative? When can you show gratitude? Now is the time to show gratitude. Gratitude, and you should do it 12 months a year, but I believe Gratitude is so important and showing that appreciation in your business. I'm not talking about to your spouse, obviously you should, or to, you know, your children, obviously you should, or to your children's teachers, you should do that too, but just to your place in work. Number three, out of this comes this very nasty word, loyalty. We're afraid of loyalty, but loyalty is a feeling of strong support for someone or something, put the name of your company or your team there, it's to leadership, it's returning customers to vendors, to fellow team members. What you want to breed in your business is return customers. I'm just telling you, Return customers are the easiest thing in the world. If you're a nonprofit, the person who gave to you last year is easier to get them to give this year than someone new. If you are in sales, it is. If you're in the school, the kids of the parents who went to that school, all those things, we know it's just returning, returning, returning. A satisfied customer, and you might use another name. You might call them students. You might call them patients. You might call them um, Clients, whatever you call, if they are satisfied, they will tell other people. And if they become loyal to you and loyal to your brand and loyal to whatever you do, nothing, it's fantastic. And the result of this then becomes relationships. The result of loyalty is relationship. It brings meaning to work. It brings satisfaction to work. It brings contribution. That's making more money. And let me just say, if you don't like where you work, I can't be loyal to where I work. You've heard me say this, I'm going to say it again, then leave where you work and go somewhere else. We live in the United States of America, for goodness sakes. Go find a job, go find a vocation, go find a company you can believe in, and go work for them. And if you're working for someone where, you know, you like them this much and hate them this much, I just say, leave. People come to me and go, I can't stand where I work. And I go, leave. Okay, you're going to eat tonight. You're going to have a, you know, maybe you need to do an interim job for a little bit. Whatever. Stay there a little bit. But do not spend 100,000 hours, which is what you're going to do at work, if you live a normal length of life and not enjoy what you do. I'm just telling you. I mean, this is nothing. I'm trying to inspire you not you know, push you down here, but if you don't like what you do, move on. Next, this is important, awareness, awareness, knowing and understanding the company, its strengths, its weaknesses, and your customers, and that takes experience. Let me give you a couple of examples. I'll just do one Nordstrom example only. They started out as a shoe company, and so shoes, I buy my shoes at Nordstrom Rack, okay, which is their budget side of Nordstrom because it's more affordable to me. But I buy all my shoes at Nordstrom Rack because they have my size. But here's an interesting thing at Nordstrom. They teach them. They teach them you are to measure both feet. Measure both feet. Why? Because most people have different size feet. I didn't know that. I don't know that. But then I started looking and realizing this shoe fits better than this shoe. I have different, and so they say, people aren't even aware. You need to become as a shoe salesman, there shoe person. um, You need to know that it's very simple awareness. So let me give you an example. A few years ago, um, Elizabeth and I made the mistake. It was a good mistake, but made us. We took sixty-six people to Brazil with us. Now, just take a note. Note to self: never do that. Take five people with you, ten people with you. Is anybody Brazilian in here, by the way? What a great country you have. Brazil, I lo- I've been in almost 100 countries. Brazil is one of the great countries in the world. We loved every minute of it. We took people down. We, were work- we had a high school group working. We uh, We went with a college group, we were working in orphanages, then we had a medical group working in hospitals, we all separated. So we're with these college students, and we're in this orphanage, several orphanages we're working, and then we get up in the mountains into the jungle, not the Amazon jungle, but some of the other jungles, and we're walking through, and the guy that's running the orphanage and I are in the back, because everybody runs ahead, right? They're just running up ahead. And we're eating the fruit in the jungle, it was so cool. So we're doing all this stuff, he says, Bill... Tell them when we get to the waterfall not to jump in. Don't jump in the waterfall. So I tell the person in front, tell them don't jump into the water. There's a waterfall in a pool. I'm thinking North Carolina where you, you know, you go to the top of the waterfall and slide in like slippery rock. But he says, tell them don't. So we tell the next person who tells the next person who tells, because they're way ahead, about 30 of us, way ahead. But finally everybody knew. So when I get there, because Phil and Elizabeth and I are the last ones, we get there, and there's this beautiful waterfall with a little pool, and I go, wow, I would love to jump in. I've been hot. Let's jump in. Phil goes, don't jump in. Don't let anybody jump in. No one goes in the water. So Mark, I won't say his last name, Mark has the idea of climbing up the side to the top of the waterfall, which was easy. Climbs up. He's at the top of the waterfall, ankle deep, takes off his shirt, takes off his shoes, just has shorts on. And he goes, I'm going to jump in. Phil goes, tell him not to jump in. So I go, don't jump in. It was deep enough. It wasn't about getting hit by the rocks. It was deep, clear water. He goes, tell him not to jump in. I said, Mark, don't jump in. So what does Mark do? (laughs) Boom. He jumps in. And everybody else wants to jump in after him and just it's, He's excited, the water's cool. Then what happened? Leeches. Not a leech, leeches. And he had his shirt off. So at first, he comes out, and there's not 10, hundreds, hundreds. And I kind of wanted to go, you deserve it, bro. But then you realize they're going to latch on, right? African Queen, Catherine Hepburn, Humphrey Bogart. We we remember that movie. So we're pulling off. You know, leeches are about this size, right? Those were, at least. And we're pulling off the leeches and all. See, he was aware. He was aware of what was going on. He made us aware of what was going on. But he didn't go all the details. Sometimes it's not worth going in all the details but there is something you need to be aware of what is happening in your industry, what is happening in your business, what, where are the lovely pools that have bad things in it. You need to know that, and it's not as easy as it used to be. The good people and the bad people, are it's a little harder to see nowadays, isn't it? COVID has blurred our vision, and it certainly has blurred our voice. I mean, physically, it's hard to hear each other, isn't it? It's like mumbling. And, and our clarity of voices in our business is being muted, and you've got to be aware. Because awareness leads to good service. If you become aware of the issues of the day, you're going to help your people. Whether the service is you're serving your own teams or you're, all of us serve somebody. We kid ourselves if we don't. We are all in the service business. Whether you're in education, you're a nonprofit, you're in whatever you're in, lawyers, accountants, architects, you're serving, and being aware of the issues allows you to have good service. Let's look at number five. So time slips by. Humility. Humility is, I hate to say the word huge, because humility should be small. But humility is big. Let me give you a definition of humility because this is not, I disagree with Nordstrom's view of humility. It's the right view of one's ability and importance. Most people say it's a small view of your importance. I have a a small view of how important I think I am. That is not humility. That is false humility. Humility. Humility is knowing your gifts, knowing what you have, knowing who you are, knowing how you can do it, and then doing it without lording over everybody else. The lording it over everybody, you know, just saying, I'm the best. That's the loss of humility. Saying that you're good at what you do, there's nothing wrong with that. If you are the best agency to do whatever, there's nothing wrong saying, I think we have the best agency that can do this work for you, the best contractor, the best, you know, professional, the best school, the best whatever it is. There's nothing wrong with that, but you have to understand the true sense of humility because so many people walk out of there with pride and all the rest. The result of humility is putting others first, which leads to truth And accessibility, underline that word accessibility, you want to be accessible to people, show a little humility towards them. Have some humility with them. Be aware, be loyal, show respect, have trust. All these things come together, and don't be afraid to put others first. And that may even mean, and this is an amazing thing, So when I was in business, I got a lot of my business from my competitors because I wouldn't try to steal their customers when they, I would say, you know what, I do this niche business, give me your people that need that niche business. And it was an amazing thing. So uh, competitors would give me business because they trusted me that I wouldn't steal their business in the other areas because I'd tell them ahead of time. I'm not going to, and I would send those people back, oh, you need to, Do this, go back to the first person. I only help you with this. That's my job in this, in helping you. And I tell you what, it is an amazing thing. A little humility would go a long way. This is a town that doesn't like humility, usually. A lot of pride in this city and humility. Then finally, communication and collaboration kind of brings it all together. A value that you should have, the exchange of information Within the connection of people. And this is important. How are you going to connect with people this year? You cannot connect with people the same way you have been connecting. We are zoomed out of this place. Who wants to go on another one of those calls? What are you going to do in 2021 to make your business work? And I don't know the answer to that. That's a part of what you've got to figure out. I know what we're trying to do. You've got to figure it out. Communication is key to meaningful relationships. The result is good listening. Larry King, you remember Larry King? CNN, Larry King live and all that? Larry King, uh, what did he always do? Did you ever, you remember he was on like at 9 o'clock to 10 or 8 to 9, I forget on CNN. What did he always do? He would ask a question and then he would put his hand under like this and listen. Larry King made the statement, I've never learned anything while talking. I have never learned anything while talking. And you look at Larry King and you see those old interviews. He was the king, literally, mixing the metaphor of getting and extracting information from others and making others feel good. And how did he do it? He asked a good penetrating question, put his hand under his chin and just sit there or sometimes he'd lean way back but usually he was leaning forward to show he was interested in whatever they were about to say I tell you what some good listening so communication is not just talking it is listening and this is a beautiful thing Communication and collaboration, we haven't talked about collaboration because we don't have a lot of time today, leads to long-term understanding. If you want to understand your customers, your vendors, uh, your potential customers, learn how to communicate with them, and it will give you repeat business. It will give you longevity with your staff. That's another thing. Staff turnover is very difficult to deal with. Now, let me put this all together. Trust builds respect. Respect is on your sheet. Respect builds loyalty. Loyalty should build humility. Doesn't always, but it should. Then humility builds awareness because you're not so proud about yourself that you're being humble and becoming aware of the situations. And then awareness builds long-term relationships. These are the values. Now, you might have two or three other values because of the particular type of business you have, the particular type of things you do, but these are just some ideas to bring it together. And why is this important? Let me close with a a story. A couple years ago, I was with my son, uh, and we were in East uh, Europe, in uh, Ukraine, doing some work over there, and then we came back to England and spent a couple of days just father-son in England, and we had been given a a day pass, a family day pass to Wimbledon, because someone here in Boca had a son who was playing in doubles, and he couldn't go that year. If my son played in Wimbledon, I would be there, but he couldn't go, so he gave us a day pass to Wimbledon, Wimbledon, so I said, we're in, so my son and I, we had it. And it let you go anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. So we're in the locker rooms with the players. We're watching. You could go to any of the courts, and they're all over the place. You can go to any court, go right down to the family section there, right at it, you know, the clay, the lawn, not clay, lawn. It's all just unbelievable. So we go into the dining room, the athletes' dining room. So they're sitting, they have these little benches and all, is Rafael Nadal, right? Okay, if you don't know who he is, he's won more Grand Slams than anyone but Roger Federer, 13 French Opens. He's sitting there, so my son sits next to him, and I sit next to him. We start talking to him and, you know, just gabbing like we're a part of the team here and, you know, like we know what we're doing here. And all the food's free, so, you know, it's just amazing. How cool is that? So we leave. We leave. And the only thing is, you can't ask for an autograph. That was the thing. You can't. You know, you got to pretend like you're supposed to be there, so you can't ask for autographs. So, no autographs. But we were there, and then we left. Had a great time. The next day, I said, "Let's go to Parliament, because I've never been in the House of Commons, and I, you know, you see all those movies, and you want to see it." So, they were having an, a, an evening session. So we got in line, went to there, got through the you know, their version of security, got into the parliament, got up in, you know, the the gallery. It was unbelievable. When we were done, we're walking out, and I realized there's no guards. You can walk anywhere you want in the parliament at that time after you get in. So we're walking. I go, where's the House of Lords? I have no idea, but we found it. And as we're walking to the House of Lords, up walks Margaret Thatcher in her blue dress, blue hat, Another person obviously with her and a guard behind her. And we're walking into the House of Lords together. And I greet her, say hi to her. It was at her end of her career. She was no longer prime minister, but she was still in the, the House of Lords because she was Lady Thatcher at that point and all. And I know you've watched The Crown, and they have did a terrible job with Margaret Thatcher and The Crown. I think she was much better. Anyway, we're walking in. And, of course, we have to go up to the gallery. She goes into the floor. And in the House of Lords, they never show you this, the gallery is closer than I am to the first row here. So there she is sitting. I could have pulled her hat off. I was so close. So I had this um, little spark of mischief in me afterwards. I didn't do that. (laughs) I wouldn't be here today if I did that. But when we got back, if I had come, if this was last week, of course, she's long deceased, but if this was last week, if I came back and said, I had lunch with Raphael Nadal, I would be telling the truth. And we had a great chat, talked about the French Open that he had just won a couple weeks before, and I'd be telling the truth, right? And then, oh, you know what? The next day, I was with Margaret Thatcher. We had a great time together. In fact, we walked into the House of Lords together, And greeted each other with such, uh, you know, she was always greeting with these big words I don't know. And it was just wonderful, right? You would think that I know Rafael Nadal and I know Margaret Thatcher. But if you were to ask either of them, they would go, Bill who? Greg who? They don't have a clue who we are. We were imposters. We just happened to be in the right place, right time. But we have nothing to do with Wimbledon. Nothing to do with the house of commons, house of lords. We just happen to be there. And I say, sometimes you're sitting in front of this pile of stuff, and I just say, figure out what your values are. Because if you don't, you're going to be an imposter. You're going to put that thing together, and it is going to crumble because it has been put together wrong. And the only thing that's going to hold that together is the proper use of an Allen wrench. If you don't have values in your business, I think in 2021 it's going to collapse. It's just unbelievably hard stuff. You need to hold it together. And money is not going to hold it together. Oh, it will for a little bit. Hard work, a little bit. Grit, a little bit. But I believe the values that you hold dear We'll hold it together, and we'll not just hold it together, but we'll move it forward. And I wish you well in 2021. I hope you have the best year that you have ever had in 2021. It will certainly be one of the most different years. But God bless you. Have a great holiday season. Those of you that celebrate Hanukkah, I wish you a happy Hanukkah. i got many of my friends here. Happy Hanukkah. Those of the that um, celebrate Christmas, I wish you a meaningful and merry Christmas. And those of you that don't celebrate either, I hope you have a meaningful time with your family, distance as it has to be, over the next few weeks. Thank you very much.